This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Second hour of the program. Welcome back to Kelly and Ramya. I'm Kelly McDonald. And I'm Brock Richardson. We're settling in, folks. Appreciate you returning and doing the same thing as we navigate through another hour of the show and uh, a lot of good content ahead. Uh, one of the fun things we get to do is find out what's going on all over Canada. Me being nosy. I love to know what's happening in the different regions and what people are experiencing or could be. So it's great to bring on our committee reporters. These guys have all the goods on stuff happening in their areas, as well as are very reflective, give us a lot of thought, and share their own personal experiences of things that they have going on in their world. Our committee reporter, Carol Yipple, is joining us now with news from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Carol, welcome back to the show. Happy month. Happy February. Great to be here, Kelly. How are you? Well, feeling pretty good. It's warming up here after the deep freeze we had here in Ontario that everybody's whining, you know, we whine about like we've had nothing but a month of it, but that's that's just kind of what we do. Um, you've got a personal experience to kick the show off with, which, as I, as I just kind of mentioned, is always one of the most wonderful things you guys bring to us, as well as an introduction to uh, low, excuse me, to Low Vision Awareness Month. Yeah, that's right. So my story is that um, I was diagnosed with an inherited retinal disease about 10 years ago. And at that time, it was a shock, of course. But I went in for my, you know, usual eye appointment. I got the diagnosis. And then I was referred for vision rehabilitation. And it was really that assessment and all of the tools that I got at that time that helped me on my journey. And the thing is that my vision changed. I know many of us have that experience too. You know, you have vision of a certain kind and then you have a little fall off and then, you know, you need another look at it by someone who really knows what they're doing. So these vision assessments for me, the vision rehabilitation assessments have helped me get to make the most of my available vision. That's using apps, that's using magnification and lighting, all those things. But since February is Low Vision Awareness Month, I just sort of thought, I looked at my calendar and I said, it's time for me to have another eye appointment. Um, so I scheduled the eye appointment in celebration of Low Vision Awareness Month. And I just want to encourage everybody to maybe make that call too. Uh, it's not that much fun sometimes to go to the eye doctor, but it's good for your eye health, regardless of the amount of vision you may or may not have. And it's also good to get a referral for vision rehabilitation because those are the professionals who have the latest devices, they have the latest information. You get turned on to something you had no idea about that's just come down the pike. And actually for me, it gives me a little more spring in my step, if I may use that term to just know there, there's a new thing, there's a new possibility, it gives me something right. to think about and work on and become you know, more independent, which is what I want. Well, and I think when you look at different things you wanna get into, that you're going to, in time, equipment you may wanna try out, or something that is just, as you said, that eye health, it is so important, so why not book uh, you know, an appointment with that eye care professional, just to make sure things are good. Right. And and whatever the person says, the referral is the next step for somebody who's likely to be able to give you some practical uh, advice and tools to, to keep your vision or your independence, let us say, as, as optimal as it can be. Mm -hmm. And it lets you get that appointment, maybe get in for an assessment, and someone says, are you interested in trying something new that we just got in? And otherwise, if you're at home saying, hey, you know what, nothing's changed with my eyes. It's getting worse or it is what it is. I can't, and, you know, to kind of do that maintenance is beautiful. Thanks, Carol. That, that is wonderful. Thank you for the reminder and that encouragement that is so important. Sure. You're... Also, yeah, here in Vancouver, uh, I think there are a number of organizations here in town that are making the most of this month of February. Um, the CNIB is the first one that comes to mind. 
their new Westminster office is introducing some navigation apps that's going to make it a lot easier to find their facility there. The first one is an app called um, Good Maps Explore, and that map that app actually allows people to navigate the Royal City Center Mall in New Westminster, where the office has been located for the past couple of years. And there's also another app that TransLink has introduced here, which is coming into play at the end of February. Uh, this is the first of its kind in Canada using the app called NaviLens. And this can be downloaded on from the Apple Store and you point it at a decal that is on the bus stop. And from 14 meters away, it will give an audio signal and guide you to the actual bus stop. So this wow. uh, is wow. being introduced at the end of February at, as I understand it, 10 bus lines that come into the new Westminster SkyTrain station, which is where the CNIB office is. And then at the bus stops there in New Westminster at the mall where the office is located. So this seems like a really exciting new app that will allow blind and partially sighted people much greater access to the resources we need. I'm all for making things more accessible for people and easier to navigate. We all know the you know, the trials and tribulations of paratransit wherever you are, there's always uh, trials and tribulations. So the more you can do independently, uh, the best it is uh, for you. And I think this is a good start uh, for that. And I think some other jurisdictions should also take note. I sure hope so. The CNIB is sort of introducing this on uh, March 2nd, Thursday, March 2nd at an event uh, starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, pre-registration is required uh, through the CNIB by calling 778-897-3115 or the uh, internet address of the CNIB locally in Vancouver. And this event will have staff on hand to welcome members of the working age group and other friends to navigate through the mall, go to the Smart Life store, see what they have on offer, grab a coffee or a bit of lunch at the food court. It's really intended to welcome people to that new office they have there. Mm -hmm. And what a way in giving people that empowerment and be able to show them this is how you find us. And while you're here, guys, have your drinks, have some fun here in the mall. And oh, by the way, the transit system, we've got it there too. Um, let's slide over. Uh, we will put that up at ami.ca slash Kelly Co on the blog, folks, just so you get more of that, that information and get reminders because we don't expect you to remember everything. Carol, let's go and talk about the family skate with the Vancouver Eclipse on Family Day. Right. Well, this is so exciting and completely new to me. I had heard of blind hockey, but I didn't really know very much about it. Oh. But I, I spoke with a member of the team and wow, it was exciting to hear from him. So this is a co-production, as it were, between BC Blind Sports and the Vancouver Eclipse. And it's going on on Family Day, Monday, February 20th. Uh, it's in New Westminster at the Moody Park Arena. And the Eclipse will, first of all, welcome families for a free skate. So come at 10 o'clock in the morning and get your rent your skates, get it ready. And I think at 11.15, they will have a one-hour on-ice instruction period. So no experience necessary. Bring the kids. Um Following this free skate, they will have a demo game and people will get to behold what it is to uh, what blind hockey is actually all about. And what I learned that I didn't know, maybe many of your listeners know this, the puck is nearly double the size of a regular puck. It's five and a half inches and it's not rubber, it's hollow. And it's filled with ball bearings that make a little jingling sound, I guess, so that the players are able to ascertain where it is. And depending on the level of vision, different skaters uh, assume different hockey positions on the ice. 
So presumably that will all be explained, but in any case, you'll get to experience it for yourself if you go out to New Westminster on, on family day. What a great way to spend, you know, family day and, and really get to learn a new sport. Uh, your final uh, topic for us is you have a brief reminder uh, regarding this Friday and the history of White Cane Week. Yeah, that's right. So February 5 to 11, in addition to it being Low Vision Awareness Month, it's also White Cane Week this week. So the Canadian Council on the Blind is having a free webinar on Friday, February 10th at 1 p.m., and the Zoom link is available for members and non-members. And there will be a discussion of the history of the white cane and white cane week to bring awareness to the rest of the general public about what is necessary to uh, accommodate people with canes. And there's also a story by a North Vancouver artist, amazing artist, Ruth Bieber, who um creates beautiful, beautiful pieces on her own and in collaboration with others out here. So that link should also be, I think, on the show notes. I hope so. But anyway, it's the Canadian Council on the Blind. And if you uh, go to their website, you can get the link and join that call on Friday. This is beautiful. Really, when you hear about stuff like that, and as we look at White Cane Week and all the great things that we're trying to showcase out there, it's beautiful. Carol, We'll talk to you next month. An amazing report here with four great items. We'll get them up at ami.ca slash kellyco. Take care of yourself. You too. Thanks a lot. And it sounds like you're going to be kept busy if you take in even half of these items you brought up. That's tremendous. Take care of yourself. We do this with our community reporters once a month. We talk to them. They come on the program, and we get a chance to find out what's going on and, and a lot that they bring to us. Uh, and what's always nice, Brock, is how excited people are, the cool things that they tell us about, and you can hear, wow, wow, as they read it, geez, I'm going out to check that out. We'll step aside for a couple of moments on the program, and when we return, we'll check in with our friends over at CNIB Smart Life. We're joined by Matthew Paquette today, Stream Project Manager over at Humanware. Stand by. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. I don't think I can finish this show, folks. I just looked down here and just... <gasps> only two days? And I'm getting anxiety? I, I Brock, you're just going to have to take things over here because I'm all anxious. Folks, do you realize only a couple of days left to get involved in our Dream Big Contest? February 8th! That's when it closes. Your last opportunity to register to win possibly, I say possibly, there are lots of people interested in this. This is a Temper Pro um, Adapt mattress that we're giving away. We will be announcing a winner later on uh, within the week for sure. Um, of course, Tempur-Pedic mattresses are designed with one-of-a-kind Temper material. So for those complete rules or how you enter, folks, go to ami.ca slash krcontest. 48 hours. I'm all, geez, I'm all sweaty and everything here. My good heavens, Brock, please take over. I can't contain. I'm all, I'm all thrown out. 48 hours, folks, for you to qualify. Yeah. And you know what? I went, we were talking about it late last week, and I, I went to see if I was eligible, and nope, contracted with AMI. <laughs> so I cannot get involved. But uh, somebody who's going to win that is going to be very happy and sleeping well. Something, and though. Deservably. Yes. Something, though, that we can't or I can get involved right now is uh, checking in with our friends at CNIB Smart Life. We're joined by Mathieu Pickett, who is the stream project manager at Humanware, to learn about the new Victor Reader stream. Mathieu, welcome to the program. Nice to have you along. Hey, thank you so much. It's nice to be here. Yes. Can we start, if we could, by talking about what exactly is a Victor Reader Stream. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the Victor Reader product line at Humanware, uh, which was named after Victor Hugo, the famous author, uh, includes a few products. So we have the Stratus, which is really popular in Canada, which is a CD player for books. Uh, we have the Victor Reader Trek, which is a product that came out about five, six years ago, which is a combination of a book reader and a GPS product. And then you have the Victor Reader Stream, which came out about 15 years ago, the first generation. Um, 
then the second generation, which is what we have on screen right now, is uh, what came out in 2013, in which we added Wi-Fi and internet capabilities. And now in 2023, we're introducing the new generation, the third generation of Victor Reader Streams. I didn't even realize where the name came from. Vic of course, Victor Hugo. Um, sure. Matthew, uh, uh, that, that's like amazing there. See, that's that's one of those things I took away from that, have, have looked at the products for a while, so a little familiar with them, but now okay. gotta ask the question, what are the differences between the Victor Reader Stream 2 and the new uh, 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 you know, device that's coming out? So the Victor Reader Stream 2 introduced Wi-Fi and internet capabilities. With the Victor Reader Stream 3, we're going further. We're introducing Bluetooth to the device, so to allow people to connect smart speakers or headphones. So Bluetooth nowadays is very accessible, very available, mm -hmm. affordable. So we have that. We've also made a lot of improvements. So we've added uh, more memory onto the device. So we have 16 gigs of internal memory, and we can support SD cards that go up to one terabyte. That's a thousand gigs, which will fit a lot of books uh we made a we improved the speaker so the speaker is both louder and sounds better um we support more audio formats so for podcasts and radio a lot of more recent modern formats will work on the stream too now they will uh we have uh, faster wi-fi we did some improvements in the user interface so uh, a lot of things and the device itself is about the same size as its predecessor but we did uh Revive, redesign in terms of the keys are now rubbery, so the grip on the keys is, is much better, and it mm -hmm. will also help people with fine motor skill issues. Wow, it's amazing when you think of, especially talking size, we know people are taking more content with them, wanting to download more, whether it's using yeah. the SD card or, or just right there on the unit and being able to do that. Uh, but it's the multi-purpose, isn't it? It's, it's having that access to be able yeah. to do multiple things from multiple resources that I think with the Generation 2, when that cracked open, all I heard were people talking about it and the things you could do, the podcast listening, and you have these, I'm sure if you guys were to go around looking for people to do commercials and stand there and tell you, well, I love my Victor Reader, there's so <laughs> many different things that each person does that it's yep. vital in their lives, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. So I used to be in the technical support department here at Emanware. So I had a direct connection to our user base. And I, I, it's not an exaggeration when I see people sleep with their stream. Like they take it to bed to listen to a podcast or in that radio to get them to sleep or a book. Uh, it is the, the, the entertainment, the value in that device is incredible for such a small thing. I, people are literally in love with their stream. Love it. Well... If if anyone out there is like me, I absolutely don't like change. I like to keep things the way they are and how they are. So with that said, if someone has currently has one of the older streams, how difficult is it going to be for them to learn the new curves with the Stream 3? So when we started this project a couple of years ago, one of the main requirements we had was that a person who used a stream or a stream two would be able to pick up the device and use it with no transitional period or anything. So it will be very, very similar. People who've, who had, you know, the stream two or even the first stream will find themselves in, in a comfortable position. We left all the navigation at uh, the same places. So you know, number one key to switch bookshelves. Even the front of the device in terms of the keys, where the keys are, they're in the exact same place. We have the exact same keys. Their texture has changed, so they're a bit bigger and they're rubbery now, but they're in the exact same place. So if you're looking for your bookmark button, still on the top right corner. If you're looking in the sleep key, still under that zero. So we wanted to make sure that uh, whatever changes we made, and we did make a couple of small changes, mostly in the area of the settings menu, uh, which will require a little bit of that adaptation. But for the most part, someone can easily pick it up and use it, you know, as their everyday book reading device. That's got to be the number one selling point because any of us, we hesitate the most when we think something has changed so much, even th and even though it may be for the better and adaptations may be great, that's the one thing that'll make a lot of us hesitate, yeah. isn't it, Matthew, to, to am I going to jump in there and get something else because so I, I think that's a really wise part um, on your part. And I'm sure 
when they have the discussions and we know, oh, we could do this, we could add that, those are the things that have to be talked about and really make a big difference in those decisions are made, aren't they, back there in the office? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it is part of my role as being a product manager to uh, rein the guys in a little bit sometimes because they do go out and, oh, we could do this and we could do that. And I'm always thinking about the end user experience. So we need to make sure that the end user, when they get the device, the customer, when he gets the device in their hand, they're in familiar territory. They don't have frustrations with the device. So once again, we change a little bit the settings menu. It's We made it easier to navigate, but it will require some, it will require some adjustments. Uh, but outside of that, everything else else like four and six to go back and forth two and eight to change navigation levels all of that putting a bookmark still the bookmark key obviously so all of that remained the same okay and you have tutorials available so yeah so we're working with uh our friends at mystic access which are fairly well known for doing a lot of tutorials mm -hmm. uh so they are making a tutorial for the victory Reader stream three we sent them a device uh, a little bit over a month ago for them to get started so they started recording uh there will be a tutorial and uh that tutorial will be available for free for anyone who wants to listen to it whether or not you're a stream three uh owner because it will be on our website uh so people can go in we'll have a section dedicated to um you know what's new so for people who mm -hmm. had a stream two and would like to know the little bit of differences that there can be uh and then there will also be all of the stuff if you're a brand new stream you've never used a stream in your life before how to navigate how to go to this station this radio or podcast or whatever the case may be so it will be uh, i think all their tutorials that they did in the past on our braille devices on our book reading devices were really appreciated and i think this one will be phenomenal as well yeah um, when is the Stream 3 going to be available to the public? So uh, in terms of the general release, we have a launch in two, in two stages. So we are having a US-only launch in, at first this month, so in February. And then a March, four weeks later, we'll do a March uh, global release, so international. The reason that we are launching in the US-only is that right now, we are still, as we're talking, you and I right now, there's still people in the background at the office working on polishing certain features and finishing up some features. And one of those features is the Daisy Online service, which is what Asila uses for books. Mm -hmm. So that's not ready as we speak, uh, but that's not a feature that they use in the US. They only, uh, they have NLS Bard there, which is not a Daisy Online service. It's its own uh, protocol. So we're doing a US only launch because we also only have English for release available, but after the, the US release, we're still working on it, as I said before, and we'll be implementing Daisy Online, we'll be implementing French, because I know a lot of people in Quebec, and even outside of Quebec in Canada likes to listen to books in French. Uh, and then we'll be working also on Spanish, German, Italian, and all those languages, and the Daisy Online service implementation. So for Canada, we're looking at a middle to late March release. So where are we seeing Victor Readers primarily sold? Is it Canada, US? Or I know the market's bigger than that. Yeah, for sure. So we have a lot. Uh, we The main market right now is the US, obviously, with their population and everything. Uh, so they, they, that's where the stream is the most popular. We sell about half of our devices in the US. Uh, we do sell quite a bit in, in Canada and Europe as well. But in Canada, the uh, Stratus is more popular because uh, Sila uh, does ship books on CDs, which is a feature that is really appreciated by uh, some of our older patrons who like to get, you know, they just get the CD in the mail, put in the device, and it's mm -hmm. really simple yeah. to use. But we do sell quite a few streams in Canada as well. And yeah, as I said, uh, Europe and even in Australia. Mm, that's interesting. Wow. What is... Is it the books that most people are still using them for, especially as books get easier uh, digitally to handle and move around, or do the podcasts cover it off pretty good? Honestly, uh, I've seen I've seen people use it for all kinds of stuff. Like uh, when I was in tech support, I had customers call in with like 150 podcast subscriptions. It was crazy. <laughs> I had people with like you know 200 favorite radio stations. I had people with with hundreds and hundreds of books on their device. So uh, it nice. really is. All across the board. Uh, voice recording. I, I, You know, I, I remember one of our customers was a lawyer in, from the West Coast in the U.S., and he was using it as his dictation device. He was using it as a, a voice recorder. Very good. Technology is just 
ever so lasting. And it's interesting to hear you talk about, you know, people still working on things and tinkering this and tinkering that. I don't think there's ever a perfect system, but just quickly, are you happy with the product that you've seen uh, ready to be released? Yeah, absolutely. So for the release, what we were looking for was really to have a baseline of what the stream two had. So podcasts, internet radio, and all of that. Uh, so that was our baseline. Uh, and then as time goes on, as we move forward, we will be including more and more things. An example of something that we'd like to add is uh, chapter support for podcasts. So in the recent year, we've seen that a lot of podcasts are segmenting their episodes into chapters. Uh, it is not something that's supported on the stream two. And for release, it won't be supported on the stream three, but it will be something that we'll be adding down the line. Um, there's also a lot of, I have got my finger on the pulse with a lot of customers. I'm in, in on Reddit and forums and whatnot. And people want stuff like notes categorization, for example, to be able to put your notes, you know, your bowling league, your work notes, your study notes in different folders. So that's something that's going to be coming up. And um, there's a big thing coming up in the spring. I can't talk about it right now, but there will be uh, quite a big new feature for internet radio that I think a lot of our customers are going to be absolutely in love with. Love it. Leaving us with teasers. Thank you so mm -hmm. much. Really appreciate the uh, time and uh, effort on today's show. CNIB Smart Life is Canada's largest retailer of adaptive products for people with sight loss. CNIB Smart Life also offers both online and physical sources, as well as a variety of accessible technology and programs. We check in with the, our guests from CNIB Smart Life every month at this time. Um, on the other side of the break, in a, just a little over two minutes, folks, on Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin discusses handling of Indigenous adults with disabilities who are seeking equal treatment while remaining on reserves. Pretty powerful conversation as they often are with Danielle McLaughlin. Brock and I will join her after this. Please, hopefully you'll stick with us and be here too. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. You know, on Fridays on the program, we do a segment, Brock, and I think you last week labeled it your now favorite, even more than the roundtable. Oh, yeah, just a sec here. Making a note to keep you off the roundtable for a Three months, I think, should be a sufficient. Um, but it's your favorite. We get together, and often with our subjects that our contributors and guests bring on the program, we have to zip our mouths sometimes and not say too much because we're eating up airtime from them getting to everything that they want to. So we remind people that when we want to shoot our mouths off on some of these topics, if we're doing the week right... You can join us for Cut for Time, Brock's favorite segment on Fridays, where we ourselves say, you know, when we had so-and-so on the program, I wanted to elaborate a little more. Here's my venue to do it. So seem to have a little fun with that. That is, again, like I said, a segment that you enjoy, Brock. And it does make you stop and review the week. And sometimes we, we have so much content on the show, the weeks get by. But I will tell you, I'm going to challenge you. I'm not sure I said it was my favorite favorite. I'm pretty sure I said one of my favorites because the round table is where I got my start with uh, Kelly and Ramia and Kelly and company back in the day. But yes, I do like to uh, talk to be honest is because I like to run my mouth. And with that, I'm going to not run my mouth anymore and we'll bring on our new guest. It's okay. I'm just doing this email to Jeff Ryman to pull that uh, video so we can be sure. So we'll see how accurate I am. Let's bring on Danielle McLaughlin. It's time each week we talk your rights, folks. Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights. Though so I had to eat up a little bit of time, Danielle, I do apologize, but Brock may not be here Friday uh, if Amuthan stops playing sick and might actually... Uh, we needed to hear his comments on cut for time there. I just had to work that in as we eat up time and not meaning to because today you're bringing to us an incredibly important conversation nobody is having and we need to. 
Well, that's right, Kelly. You know, many people have heard of the principle that's now known as Jordan's principle. It's uh, a now established principle in law that requires governments to deliver and pay for services to disabled Indigenous children before their cases go to court, where the provinces and the federal governments almost invariably argue about jurisdiction. And this comes about because the federal government is normally the body that um, is responsible for Indigenous peoples living on reserves. And then when we talk about health care, which is often the area where we talk about services to people living with disabilities, um, that's usually a provincial jurisdiction. Now, you can see that the provinces and the feds, nobody's going to want to pay, right? They, you know, right. they're always going to say, "Oh, it, it, you know, that that's that's your problem, not mine." Well, this story came about really quite tragically um, in the case of a young child called Jordan Ribbon, River Anderson. He was born in 1999 with multiple disabilities. In fact, he was never able to breathe on his own. He spent his first two years living in a hospital, and people had said, well, we want him to come home to the community where his family lives, and we want to be able to care for him at home. Unfortunately, the um, various services that this child with so many disabilities required were not available in his home community. And so he was put into various kinds of care outside of his community. And tragically, he died before he reached the age of five. Um, the uh, uh, First Nations Family and Child Caring Services, uh, headed up by Cindy Blackstock, was basically outraged by what had happened to Jordan, and they went yes. to court. And right, I remember they, that. I remember. I'm this. sure. Yes, yes. and I, I, you know, and many of us were were really made aware of the fact that people on reserve and people off reserve are not treated in the same fashion that they are you know that they just don't have access to the same kinds of of important services so following this case um this principle was established in law and what it basically says is that children living with disabilities who are indigenous um will be served immediately before the various bodies go to court to fight about who gets to pay. So first they get the services, and then if the governments want to fight about it, they can go to court. But meanwhile, the child has had the services that they so badly need. But we have a few cases now, um, in one in Alberta, one in, Winnip in Winnipeg, and I think there might be another in, in British Columbia, where people who are over the age of 18, Indigenous people living with disabilities, are saying that they should have the right to care um, despite governments fighting over who gets to pay. You know, as almost everyone who lives with a disability knows, you know, if you mm -hmm. have it as a child, on your 18th birthday, it does not magically disappear. <laughs> and why should we have to fight for the same kinds of care that we had as children once we hit the age of 18. Well, what has happened in some of the cases that, that are going to a human rights complaint, the one, for example, in Alberta, is people who are now adults have been told, well, you can get those services, you just have to leave your community. And if you right. move to yes. a nearby town or a city where those um, services are available, then the province is required to pay for that and you will have access to it. Well, many, if not most people with who live with disabilities rely strongly on their families, on their communities, and you know, on the collective of people who, who are around them. And rightly so. I mean, we all need to rely on the people who are in our community. But it's particularly important for people who need services and who need access. So what is happening in these cases is that the people who are being told, oh, you can just leave your community to get access to the services you require, are claiming that this is an act of discrimination. That in order that for them to have to leave when other people who live in other parts of the same province 
can get those services in their home communities. Um, this is discriminatory. Do you mm -hmm. think it's discriminatory? discriminatory over the community in general because we have manipulated people and don't re go back and, and revisit it? It seems to me that we've, well, we've solved an issue. People stay in those communities. They're fine. If they want to go to another one, there's other things available. I don't want to say, oh, nobody's really thought about it because we know it all comes down to fighting over dollars when you get into who's paying for that, the provincial or federal. Yeah. I, I, Danielle, I mean, on the outside, it's discriminatory, but I, I think it, it comes down to we totally believed originally, well, this is a perfect system for those right. people. Exactly. And no one and you revisits know to solve it because if we take people away from those communities, well, now you've moved from there. Other supports, as you mentioned, that are important, they don't. They will they not be able have. to get either. Exactly. And, and this the, is complicated even further. I'm sorry, Brock. I, you you wanted to say something. Go right ahead. I just want. I just want to say that it's easy for people to say the words. Oh, just go get it out of your out of your community. Do you know how hard it is for for right. people in in the quote unquote normal circumstance to go out of their out of their community and get services, let alone right. individuals who have disabilities? Like to me, this is the part where I go, okay, it's easy for you to to spit that out of your mouth and say, oh, just go get it in another community. But to put that into practice, Danielle, isn't always the easiest answer. It's Absolutely not uniform, not. even in the city of London. Versus, uh, you know, in the no. same office, decisions yeah. are made that for Brock, oh, wow, Brock gets that. How come I don't? Uh, could come down to knowledge from the worker helping you. Could come down to me. There, are, there is so huge inconsistencies, things, right? right? And, and when, when we talk add a, a community out like this, that's yes. it's crazy. Yep. But when we add indigeneity to this, we have a principle uh, really focused on during the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission reports. And that principle is self-determination. And it says, um, among many, many other things, is that Indigenous communities can decide for themselves what kinds of services to provide and you know, what they can afford to do. And Indigenous Services Canada is an agency under the federal government, and it works with um, different community services. So they say, OK, Indigenous community, um, here, here's a parcel of money. You decide what to do with it. Well, yep. like everybody else, we know it's never enough, right? Nope. And, and who makes the decisions where it gets allocated exactly. are going to have what they consider bigger fish to fry. And right. it's not and, likely somebody who's in the situation. The people that allocate those those, those funds don't have an understanding of what really goes on in those communities again it goes back to their words and the things they say oh this is where i'm going to allocate the money because i feel this is what's better for the community when we don't stop and think yeah but do i really understand what their life is like in yeah in so the how they much don't. right and so how much are we talking about bringing in those people living with disabilities to determine what is needed you know when, when somebody tells you what you need it, it's ridiculous you know you know what you need and probably only you know what you need and somebody can say well you know how does this seem to you or what do you think of that and and ask a bona fide question but to tell you no you don't really need that um or you know i i, I think often about um people who've been given really subpar wheelchairs uh, as an example uh, uh, in, you know in as a social service well yeah it's got four wheels what more do you want well rather exactly. a lot actually yeah. um yeah. you yeah. know that's not good enough. So, you know, we have to look at this really complicated situation about who's going to make these decisions for people who are often in a very vulnerable situation, people living with disabilities in underserved, um, often uh, communities living in poverty, you know, who should be making these decisions and how do we make it equitable? And these are not going to be easy answers. That's for no, sure. No, no, because Danielle, unfortunately, I can sit here and say, well, these people don't know what a disabled person in London needs. Do mm -hmm. I know what every disabled person in London needs? No. Yeah. So if you say, well, Kelly, you're in London, here's the money. You decide yeah. where it goes. Well, well, I, 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 
I don't know if I would want to be uh, somebody in one of the indigenous communities we're talking about, having to figure out where things should go and having people say, yeah, but there's one blind person here. Right. Uh, just right. as a silly exactly. example. And, no, and, and, it's not. You know, ahead, it, it's, a, it, it's a weird example only because then you've got people deciding, well, we're going to, we've got X number of dollars. We know we need to tend to the disability community. We've got, and we do measure it out that way, when yet this problem over here is affecting a hundred of us. Sorry, Brock, go ahead. Well, that's but right. Brock, go ahead, at, please. At, le at least give us the, the, the hope that you have some representation. Like, mm -hmm. instead of just saying, we're going to make this decision, can you blanketly say over and above, we're going to cover all situations? Yeah. Well, no, but at no, least no. give us the 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 awareness and the, the thought of like, well, at least they're trying rather than not trying at all and just ma people making decisions that have no clue because people that make decisions tend not to even consult one disabled person, let alone you know, a select few with different... A whole bunch of different disabilities. That's right. Well, well that's, and services that's right. A should be available across the board. Across the country. And if you and if you look at Jordan's principle, which we discussed at the, at the top of, of this segment, we see that people can now rely on that principle and they can request services under Jordan's principle. They can say, listen, this is what is needed for this child because it does only apply to children, you know, is it time for people to say, you know what, it's time, you know, this, this principle shouldn't just apply to people no. up till the age of 18, it should apply to all Indigenous people living with disabilities, wherever they live. Make sure that the services are equitably distributed, make sure that whoever pays for it, and we can fight about it later, that the person gets what it is they need when they need it and not after the fight has been concluded, which may take, um, well, we saw with the, the tragic case of, of Jordan River Anderson, it took longer than he lived. Um, so, you know, that th this, this principle is just, cru it's crucial to yeah. real people living in real communities. And I, th I think that the cases that are now before the Human Rights Commission in Alberta, um, it's the the uh, the the, the Siksika, uh, uh, community among among two and then two others have banded together to try to get a similar principle um, for their adult community members. And we're going to see what what happens. But you know, is this going to mean that Indigenous Services Canada is going to tell the Indigenous communities what they must do, um, which is what they have said they will not be doing. They, they've yep. said, you know, we will just ensure that uh, services are provided or that, that we are enabling services to be provided. Will the Indigenous communities then step up and say, well, okay, we're going to ensure that that this is happening and we understand that this is a, a principle that we all must abide by or are, we, are they going to say listen this is a community that lives in poverty um we don't have enough money for all of the things that you have determined we should be covering and besides you know we are historically underserved we are historically um treated badly treated in a discriminatory fashion uh federal government you know toe the line and really do something for people who need it when they need it. And yeah. I'm not and some sure of that how is this finding is... people who can speak to this on yes. the ground in said communities that w would know if you're so worried and saying, well, we don't just want to hand money. We want to have services, but the people need to be there to say this person needs this service and government official, government, wherever resources are coming from provincially, federally, they step up to the plate at that point saying, yes, we've got, but we do. I, I know the big concern is, well, you can't just hand money off and let somebody decide. It, it just well, doesn't work anymore. The model doesn't work. But the model of telling people they have to leave home in That's order right. to receive services is just clearly unfair, in yeah, my opinion. It shouldn't even be thought of as a model. It should and be. And yet it is the only model now. Yeah. 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 And, and, and and I don't even know how, well, again, it goes by how many things we just seem to, well, if nobody complains, if it ain't broke, well, we're not going to fix it. There's no well, way you we know that, stop I, and say, I, what I, are we doing? And, and this relies on people complaining. 
which is the yes. real problem because not right. a lot of people know they have the right to complain or they that something will happen if they do complain so you know it's a case of knowing your rights and you know as i've often said on the on this segment please complain if you aren't being yes. treated fairly because if you don't who will you bet. Danielle, as usual, wonderful topic. We'll talk to you next week on Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin at this time on Kelly and Romeo. We'll be right back to wrap up the show. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Well, we've come to the end, ladies and gentlemen. Just about a few more things to talk to you about here on the program. Brock Richardson's joining me. He's in Kitchener, Ontario. Kelly McDonald here as Romeo Muthan is away today. Brock, at this point, we like to mention to people they can check the show out via the podcast. Simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Check the program out. Also check out the vanity card at the end of the uh, second half of the uh, show podcast. Any segment... Off the top of your head, sir, you want to mention for people to uh, zero in on when they go back <laughs> or when they listen to the podcast? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that both Kelly and I and Danielle got pretty passionate about the last segment. So I'm going to pick something different. I really liked our, our conversation with uh, CNIB Smart Life, Matthew Pickett, uh, Pickett as it's uh, pronounced. And he was talking about the new uh, Victor Reader stream number three. And really listening to him talk about this updated product and just trying to tinker uh, to make it the best is always what you want to hear in, you know, updating accessible software as opposed to just putting it out there and saying, well, here it is. Now let me see if I can collect my money. It really seemed like Matt Matthew was more in-depth into wanting to make sure it was perfect, even though that might not always be possible. I'm going to go back to your bets that you were talking about during Sports Folks Box uh, Weekly Sports Update um, with the Super Bowl coming along and just the ridiculous things people with a lot of money, <laughs> um, too much money, uh, could bet on just for the fun of it. And I get, gang, I get it's fun. I'm not trying to be that much of a you know downer on it any more than I was <laughs> earlier, you know, in the show about things like this. It's just, it's just funny to me, but it is so cool when you think about. You're, you're going to bet on who wins the coin toss. Um, mm. And they bring you lots of laughter. I know we only touched on a few of them, Brock, but it's a fun thing to go online, even folks, after you check out the segment and see what bets you could lay down uh, to give yourself that amazing chuckle because you're sitting there going over that. And I'm like, are, are, are you kidding me? Which challenge? Who's going to do the first challenge? Are they going to mm. win it? Oh, my goodness. And, Brock, we know there are people out there who love it and, and do this. So... Very interesting. Uh, let's welcome in Paul Daniel to the conversation. He joins us to tell us a little bit about what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown. You can uh, enjoy their program 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. Sir, happy Monday to you. What do you guys have on tap? And are you uh, doing any Super Bowl betting? Uh, hello, Kelly. Good Monday to you. And the answer to your question is no, I'm not doing any Super Bowl betting. Not even on uh, the ridiculous but, uh, bets? Not even on the stupid bits. No, I figured, you know, okay. just, just, uh, you know, just, you know, what can I tell you? You know, I actually want to watch you're, the game. You're not a Super Bowl guy, so I was waiting to say, well, actually, well, betting did, on no, the I game do, itself would I, be a, do you? I do watch mm -hmm. the game, but just, you know, just into okay. the game, you know. All Dorothy right, McNaughton, right. our, on tomorrow's show, Dorothy McNaughton, our community reporter in Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Ontario, will discuss the review of the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act currently taking place and the importance of public involvement. Nelson Rego from... Coolbine Tech will explain how to activate the grayscale on your iPhone. And tomorrow is Tuesday. It's not really quite Tuesday until we have the news. Now, Dave Brown with Alex Smythe. Alicia Yardley will be joining us again. Uh, she was a contestant from last week. And a new contestant for tomorrow, uh, Lynn Gendro, will be all be testing their knowledge of current events. That is amazing. Sounds like a good time. Uh, nice to see a, such a different cast of characters doing it and having fun all the time uh, on the on the uh, the quiz. Take it easy, pal. Appreciate it. I'll let you go put your Super Bowl bet down that you're, you know, of course, not the least bit interested in. <laughs> Take care, Kelly. <laughs> mm. I thought for sure he was going to say, you mean stupid bets like betting on the game? <laughs> but no, what, no, what no. Would he, be... he was kind. 
What would be the bet? Like, if you were gonna put a minimal amount on it, what would be the stupid bet you'd put you'd put down on? Like, what would be the oh, one you'd say twenty dollars? No, no, but There's which no one would one. you bet on if you were going oh, well, to? Oh, Eagles, for sure, the Eagles. Oh, you mean of the dumb bets? Yeah, yeah, which one the, would the, be the, the one? The National Anthem, yeah. the National yeah. Anthem, under two minutes. That would, that would yeah. be mine as well, yeah. Yeah, that's the only one I remotely feel like you have, <laughs> I won't say have a chance at, but. Brock, again, mm. nice having you on the program. Tomorrow, you may be back, you may not. Uh, on the show tomorrow, we're going to do our parenting segment, and we're going to have Lu Lucia Belafonte talking about managing expectations so you and your child can thrive, Brock. Dr. Danielle Donkheim joins us to talk about virtual care, how it's rapidly evolving in veterinary medicine. It's going to be really amazing. Good talks. And that's just a couple of them that we're mentioning tomorrow on the program. I hope you can be, uh, be with us. We start at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Remember to check out the repeats of the show. 10 o'clock at night, you can find us on AMI-audio and AMI-tv and download the podcast. Fedora's off to you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a wonderful night. I've always found myself pretty adaptable in the way of learning, especially a new program or in the case of Zoom. We saw how it took the world by storm during the pandemic. Recently, I was giving moderator permissions uh, for a conference I run, and I had trouble figuring it out. And where I have always had trouble, and this was one of the things in school that I learned very quickly, that doesn't help me pass, wow, when you answer a question and you just put in everything you knew. But a teacher was looking for a specific, decently written, concise answer. And maybe leaving out a couple of the points I would put in, even though I knew these are correct. But the teacher would see that as, yeah, you're grasping at straws, so you're basically throwing everything in there. You took all the straws and threw them in instead of grabbing a couple of them and making those solid points. Okay. So I started to figure that out. But then you would also then, well, what is the teacher actually looking for here? And that's what I find I trip. I trip on the, okay, does this mean this in these directions on how to log in? Or does this mean this? And I don't want to say I overthink it. But I, for some reason, interpret things and say, well, hold on. Maybe it means this. Or, ah, this is what I'm supposed to, oh, no, I wasn't. Now, how do I get out of what I've done? How do I undo what I've done here that's now saved on my machine? That's what I found myself this past weekend as I was trying to set up to get into my Zoom conference struggling with. And I smile, I laugh, and then I yell, help, can someone get me out of the... Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.